We continue the Shir in Navi. We completed the story of the most outstanding miracle of all, Chiasa Mason, where Elisha Hanavi brought back to life the, the child who had died of the Shunamis. We completed that story, but there is still an item that requires elaboration. And we mentioned at the beginning of the story, this is one of the most important facets of the story, too. This woman, the Shunamis, as we said, was the mother of Adnai Hanavi, the Navi who had been killed by a lion. She was the sister of the girl that King David took in his old age. He could not marry. He took her as an additional sort of pilegish. She was called Avishag Hashunamis. This was her sister. Well, she was a tzaddikis. Of course, these two sisters, the Arizal says, were originally sisters prior to this too. They were the Gilgal of Bilhah and Zilpah. And again, they came back as two sisters now. But the point is that in that story, recall, it came to Elisha Hanavi's word, assurance. On this miracle, he said to the woman, nine months from now, you are going to be hugging a son. Very unusual word to use. Always you say a son will be bored to you. You're going to hug a son. Chibuk is to hug. Chibuk. The name of the son was Chavakuk. Chavakuk means sort of double. It means he will be hugged or held twice. Twice pertaining to his life. Once by his mother when he is born. And once when he is reborn, brought back to life by Elisha Hanavi. Therefore he was called Chavakuk. Held twice. Now, why was this mentioned in advance? Because the wording was at Chavakes Bein. You are going to have this son. We had learned very recently that the reason for the Akedah of Yitzhak Avinu, why did Yitzhak Avinu have to go through the Akedah, aside from the test, because he had to die. He had to relieve himself of the neshama, the soul he had, in order to get back a soul that would be a genuine soul. Genuine in his case meant that if a male is born with a female soul, then he is considered lifeless. That soul is lifeless. It cannot produce. As we stated, for example, the case of David HaMelech, whose soul was lifeless, and who was given the years by Adam Harisha and other fathers of the Jews. In the case of Yitzhak Avina too, his soul was a female soul, because the wording was, he named Bain Lesara Ishtecha, a son to Sarah, female soul. And therefore he had to lose that soul at the Akedah when his soul left him, went up to Gil Eden, and there it was exchanged with the Mason, but for a male type, a soul of male origin. In the case of this child too, because he said, At, you are going to have this child, you meaning female, he's going to have a female soul, this child had to die in order to be reborn again with a male soul. Uh, it's important to note too, the word Chavakuk, Zayn Kodesh says, why Chavakuk? He said because of two lives. But if we note Closer, we come to the symbol of Chiyas 
the symbol of the dead coming back to life. This Chiyasamesim, we have a special section in the Shemona Esrei. The second bracha of the Shemona Esrei is Barachata Hashem Chayeh HaMesim. Bracha for Chiyasamesim. First one is called Birkas Avais, a bracha for Avais, the fathers of the Jews. The second one, which deals specifically with Chiyas HaMesim, is called Birkas Givuros. Givura, power, is what is required for Chiyas HaMesim. The bracha begins with the words, Atta Gibar Le'olam Hashem. Atta Gibar, the show that requires Givura, a special type of din. Givura, to bring about Chiyas HaMesim, bring about rain, which we have the, the prayer for rain too, in that tefillah, but the chasimah, the end of the bracha is Mechaya Mesim, which requires Gevura, therefore this bracha is called Bekas Gevura, it's Gevura. case of Chavakuk, he was called Chavakuk because Chiyas HaMesim required Gevura, and it was symbolized by his name, Chavakuk is Bigimetria Gevura, to show that this was the symbol of Tchiyas HaMesim. Now, this was the, one of the primary miracles of Elisha Anavi, where he matched the greatness of Eliyahu Anavi, bringing the dead back to life. We'll see a little later on, where the bracha of Pishnayim doubled the greatness of Eliyahu Anavi was realized meant that he had to do this miracle twice. So far we have it only once. We come now to an additional listing, and we're up to the listing of the miracles that took place then, miracles by Elisha Hanavi. Elitata tells us that he was sitting together with his Talmudim, his students. One of them went out to look for food. They had put up a large pot to boil, special soup for the students. One of them went out to the field, he collected a certain type of herb, and when he came back, there's a sort of vine, a vine with some type of growth on it. He came back, he chopped up this vine, and threw it into this pot. Now, this vine contained a poisonous herb, a deadly herb that could have caused the death of all these students who would drink this liquid potion or eat the soup. So, when the soup was completed, it was distributed, they began to taste it, they smelled it, and they said to Elisha Hanavi, uh, there is death in this pot. Elisha Hanavi said, fine, then there's a solution. How do you remove death? You take a bit of flour, put all the plates of soup back, pour them back into the pot, take some flour, pour it into the pot too, and then cook it, and then pour it out again. They did this, Nothing wrong with the pot. How a little bit of flour could have changed that, of course, was just the act to show the command of Elisha Hanavi, whatever it was, fulfilled, produced this miracle. This was the next miracle of the part of Elisha Hanavi. And we continue on a series of Nisim, Leifsim, miracles shown by, demonstrated, and acted by Elisha Hanavi. Another thing that tells us that a man came from different city, and he brought to Elisha Hanavi Bikurim. Bikurim means the first of the fruit, first produce, the 
come from the field which are supposed to be brought to the base of Mikdash on Shavuos. A special mitzvah of Bikurim. In fact, mitzvah is so important that when we speak of the three items of Bikurim, Truma, Meiser, these three special mitzvahs are a person required to give of his crops. First and foremost, one is Bikurim. Given directly to the Kayin. It's a special ceremony, bringing it. The Tzedah says that this man came bringing Bikurim to Elisha Hanavi. Bikurim consisted of 20 breads, regular flour, and one bread of oats, one package of caramel. A total of 22 items. And he had many students there. The man offered this Bikurim to Elisha Hanavi. Distribute among the students. When we get to the number, but first the question, the Gemara speaks about this story. It says, how could the Torah speak here, mention the word Bikurim, which is supposed to be brought only to a Kayan? Lishanavi was not for the Shevet Levi, not for the tribal Levi, he was not a Kayan. It's the first place. That's according to Rashi Kodesh. Tesis says that Second place, even if he was a Kahin, Bikurim cannot be brought outside of the base of Mikdash, outside of the area of the base of Mikdash. This wasn't even Yerushalayim. So how can a man bring Bikurim here to Elishanavi, even if he would have been a Kahin? Or even, let's say, if he would have brought it to the Talmidim of Elishanavi, who were Kahanim. Even give it, give it to your students who are Kahanim, still would be illegal because this was outside of the area. You want answers. It is true that it is illegal to bring Bikurim outside of the base of Mikdash to one who is not a Kayin. But here the Tadah specifically mentions this incident to teach us how great the mitzvah is to bring food, a food gift, to a Talmud Chacham. Because of a person, today even, we do not have a base of Mikdash. We have no opportunity whatsoever of being able to perform this great mitzvah. Imagine the mitzvah that is so great, where the Pasuk says that when you're bringing maiseh, giving a tenth, the levi is so great a mitzvah, greater than that truma, that's higher, that's a super maiseh, giving to the kohen, and still higher than that is bikur. How can we have that mitzvah today if we don't have a base of mikdash? We don't have fields, we haven't got this opportunity at all. Yomar says, if a person brings food, a food gift to a Talmud Chacham, it is the equivalent of bringing Bikur. Not that it is similar, but it is considered exactly the same, because here the Tana itself calls this Bikur, which means that the person receives the actual mitzvah of bringing Bikur to a Kahin in the base of Mikdash. So valuable. So priceless is the mitzvah of being zechet to give to a Talmud Chacham. Of course, we need a real Talmud Chacham. That's speaking about ordinary person. Chacham, a tzaddik, one is zechet to seek out a true Talmud Chacham. And give him food, food gift, then it is this mitzvah. Now, we'll come back to this in a moment. There's a sequel to the story. First, the number. The Gemara says that he brought 20, a total of 22 items. 21 breads and a package of caramel. And he said to Elisha Hanavi, give this to your students. And Elisha Hanavi's servant, one of the servants, said, how can I give this before a hundred people? 
And the Rishon Rabbi said to him, Give this to them, let them eat. Because they will find the name of Hashem, eat, and eat your fill. They'll be left over. This miracle. The Yomar says, a hundred students, twenty-two breads. This was a time of a very serious famine that existed. In time of a famine, five breads would be enough to feed a hundred students. Twenty-two breads you could feed regular during a regular time too. The Yomar says that in truth, in actuality, Elisha Hanavi was so great that he had so many students. These were fitting students for a Rebbe like him. He had a total of, the Gemara proves he had a total of 2,200 students. 100 for every item. There were 22 items. What he meant was, how can I give each this? What singular? How can I give this one before 100 men? Which means that every one of these items was to be placed before 100 men, meaning a total of 2,200 students. This was the extent of Elisha Hanavi's yeshiva that he taught them. And therefore, the miracle was so great <clears throat> that the 2,200 men were able to eat these 22 items, eat their fill, and they left over. They remained food after they were through, just as Hashem said to Elisha Hanavi. This was the next miracle. When we go back for a moment, the Yomar tells us a sequel to the story. Yomar says that we had this case some time back, but most of you were absent. You'll be excused for not remembering this. Story of Rav Onon. Rav Onon was a chief rabbi of Yomar. And in those days, of course, the chief rabbi meant that he was also a judge. In case of any type of trial, litigation, judgment, two people came for a trial to court, they came before the chief rabbi. Ordinarily now, a basin consists of three rabbis. But then, a mumcha, an expert, one who was officially classified as a chief rabbi, could act as a judge in trial. Today, too, of course, there are certain halachas where if both agreed to one rabbi, they could use one rabbi as a judge, too. This Ono was the head rabbi then, in his section, and one day a man came before him with a package of food. Food was consisted of small fish. And he said to Rav Onan, may I offer you this, this package? Rav Onan said, why? Why have you come to see me? The man said, well, I, I've come here because I have a trial. I have to come to you before you want trial with a, another party about a business matter. And there's a lawsuit involved. Two of us have to come before you. As long as I've come, I figured I'd give you this little gift. Ramonan said, Also, I am disqualified as a judge in your case. This is, or at least it looks like, an attempted bribe. You try to bribe the judge before the case came before the, the court. The man said, I did not intend it as a bribe. I intended it as a gift. But since you disqualified yourself, so it cannot be a bribe anymore. Let me ask you a favor. At least accept this gift from me. Ravonan said, I cannot accept it because a person does not accept gifts in general. Pasuk says, He who hates stays away from any kind of matones gifts. He lives long. You want to shorten a person's life, you give him a gift. Thank you. That's why there are so many gifts given to mother-in-laws, for example. <laughs> so, 
A gift is something that cuts off years. He who wants to live long should abstain from taking gifts. So it is said to have Anon, true. But perhaps I can convince you to take this gift. If I give you a good enough reason, perhaps you can take it. And Anon said, try. And yes, it's fine. The Gemara says that a man came to Alisha Hanavi, brought him a package of food, food gift, Bikurim, which means that this was not Bikurim. Yet it was called Bikurim. He was not a Kohen. This was not in the base of Mikdash. Yet the Taylor calls it Bikurim. The Gemara says, why? Because this gave the man an opportunity to perform the mitzvah of Bikurim. So great, sacred a mitzvah. Now, if I give you this food gift, if you accept it, that means I get the mitzvah of Bikurim. Would you deprive a Jew getting a mitzvah that is so great, mitzvah of Bikurim? The one thought for all this said, you're right. I would never have dreamt of taking this gift from you. Now that you gave me so solid, so concrete a reason, I will accept it. He said, however, I am still disqualified to act as a judge in your case. But I'll give you a note to a friend of mine, a different city, Dab Nachman. You go to him, and he will take your case. He gave him a note. This man came to Dab Nachman. The note said, when this person comes to you, I have disqualified myself in this case. Please take care of him. Nachman read the note, and he automatically surmised the conjecture that the reason that Avonah disqualified himself was because he was probably related to this man. A relative cannot act as a judge, a judge or a witness. So Avonah figured that means this man must be a Talmud Chacham, related to Avonah. So he said to himself, if that's the case, I must give his case priority. Move it up ahead of all the other cases. He halted court proceedings and said, we'll take your case first. When the opposing party this lawsuit saw the honor that was bestowed upon his antagonist, the opposition, then he, he just lost his power of speech. He felt it was futile to try to argue his case with the honor given to the opposition, and he truly won the case. So he wasn't able to argue his case properly, and he lost the case automatically. The U.S. says that Avonor, meanwhile, was not aware of what happened. The honor was very great, very holy, and he was that great. He was Zecher to receive regular visits from Eliyahu Hanavi. Visited him regularly, and they studied Taylor together. This was rare, because Eliyahu Hanavi did not come down to earth for the average person. Only in certain rare cases, especially to learn to study Taylor together, regular intervals, but Ravonah was there to a very high position. Now, when this case happened, the Yonavi stopped coming. He did not appear at Ravonah's place at all. Ravonah felt he had done something wrong. He wanted to atone for it, so he fasted. In fasting, this constituted shuvah, repentance of what he had done, whatever he had done. And after his fasting, the Yonavi came to see him. When he came, the sight of Eliyahu now, the angel, Malach, Malach Akim, was so frightening to him that he couldn't 
then he could not take this sight normally. To, to learn with him face to face was not impossible. He was not on a level that he had been before. All that honor was that great, he could look at a Moloch or an angel, even at Eliyanavi, normally. Now he had been lowered a step where he could not experience the, the confrontation with Eliyanavi normally. So he had to build a special hut where he would sit inside this hut as a sort of protective measure against the holiness, the aura of Eliyanavi. The Gemara says that what he had learned from Eliyanavi until now is called Eliyahu Rabbah. Rabbah means the great, vast depth, larger amount. And what he learned when he was in the hut was Eliyahu Zuta. Zuta means small, much less than before. On a lower level, and less in volume, as Tezu says. Uh, why did this happen? There are two things that happened here. There were two things. One was the fact that he had to fast. That was to atone his wrong deed in accepting this food package. Because it is true that the reason was very valid. The man wanted to bring Bikurim, fine, if we accept him. But this Bikurim was very tainted. It had been stained by a label bribe been at Bri before, you cannot clear that stain that easily. So that owner should have insisted and said, food, decorum, fine. But you brought this with the original intentions in the form of a bribe, and therefore you should not have accepted this food. The fact that he <coughs> ate it, he ate this fish, had to be atoned for. This was corrected through his act of fasting. By fasting, it was true of having eaten this Food which is not warranted, not proper to accept. Second item was the fact that he had caused an uneasy feeling, discomfort, fright to the opposing party of this man in front of Rav Nachman. He was frightened by the, he was awed by the honor given given to this man sent by Rabbanon. He had caused that, causing the person to lose the case. Whether he was right or wrong, but he still lost the case because of right, that Ravona was now penalized by having to experience this fright too of the awesome sight of Eliyahu Navi. These were the two cases, two types of penalties that he had to pay for the two acts that he was given, that he caused. We see from this story though, that had it not been for the case of the trial or lawsuit, See how vital an item this is in later life. This, the Gemara uses this as an actual illustration of a mitzvah. As the Gemara says, looking for beads of bringing sacrifice. We don't have the base of Mikdash today. And how blessed is that person, how fortunate is that person who could find a substitute for a carbon. We say, for example, in the Shalma Params Vasenu, we could bring a carbon today by tefillah. Tefillah is in place of a carbon. Carbon tomid, which is brought in the morning and the afternoon. This is the basic sacrifice brought daily. For this we have a basic tefillah. The shachris tefillah and the mecha tefillah. Those are two chiyuvim. Other types of carbonis, the carbon chatos osham elah, 
These things, the Gemara says, that a person by learning the dinner about these kabbalists, learning the Torah, laws about these kabbalists, person could then receive the credit for the bringing of the covenant. It is as though he brought this covenant. In the case of Bikurim, which is obviously higher, this we now have a means of getting the mitzvah to, through bringing a special food package, just as the Bikurim was brought the special food package, a special basket brought to the base of Mikdash, by giving it to a tzaddik, to a tamachachon, the person, you get that credit even nowadays. Now we come to the second part of the major miracle performed by Elisha Navi. This item we had pointed out to us from the Gemara, as the Gemara previously, the Gemara asks, when Elisha Hanavi received the blessing of Kishnayim, <clears throat> the Hanavi told him, you may have this blessing, you may have double my power. The Gemara asks, if he got the blessing, how did this come true? Where did this materialize? The Gemara answers because the Hanavi brought back one person to life, Elisha Hanavi brought back two. The Gemara delves into that problem. We know that one of them was the child of this Shunamis. Where do we find a second case of Trias Mason? There is no such case in history. There is one case where we'll have later on where a man was buried next to him. The man walked off, but he walked off only for a few steps and he fell again dead. It wasn't actually a person coming back to life. We find no case, no actual case of Trias Mason. The Gemara answers there is a second case, and that is the story that the Torah tells us now. The story deals with a general of the army of Aram. Aram is sometimes like the Syrian, Syrian army, which is very powerful. The king of Aram favored this general. His name was Naamun. And what made this general really famous is the fact that he had brought victory, major victory to Aram. He was the one who inadvertently, without actually intending itself, he shot the arrow that killed Achav, the king of the Jews. But this brought about the greatest victory to Adam. Therefore, he was elevated to the highest position, to the commanding general. Now, what was the reason for this victory in itself by Aram over Achav and the Jews? Rizal says that any act of the good act for any person is paid, is rewarded for this world, unless the person is a tzaddik, he gets rewards for it in the future world. But a guy, a Russia, gets paid for his good deeds in this world. Now, way back in the time of Lavon, the evil Lavon, who tried to do as much harm as possible to Yaakov Avinu, when he pursued him, he tried to wipe him out. Still, the children of Lavon, laid out a feast for Yaakov Avinu. That was an act feeding a tzaddik. He was supposed to be rewarded for that. Hashem said, Lavan, the children of Lavan from Aram Naharayim, we paid back someday that you will have victory over the children of Yaakov Avinu. You will defeat the king of the Jews in battle, Achav in battle, and you will enjoy that victory as a reward for this feast that you gave to my son, Yaakov. And that was the reason that 
this battle was won by Aram, Hashem, Hashem wanted to have the Jews lose that battle, Achav to die, and come to any number of nations. But this was the opportunity to repay Aram with this great victory, this great glory on their part. Amor was powerful, was wealthy, was favored, very much favored by the king. But he was unhappy. Unhappy because all his wealth, all his power, meant nothing to him since he was afflicted with a fatal disease. He had leprosy. Leprosy is fatal. Real leprosy is fatal. There is no cure for leprosy. Now, he had this disease. He knew he was going to die. There was nothing he could do about it. He, he was treated by the best doctors, the best herbs, the best medicines, but there was, it was all in vain. It was all a futile effort knowing that nothing could help. Now, one day, the bands of terrorists from Syria, those days they had the two, went out on a foray, on a raid into the land of Israel, and they took captive, they took captives, the civilians of Israel, they took them as slaves. They took a small girl, a young girl captive, and they brought this girl to the house of Naaman. Naaman's wife wanted to have a maid. So this maid, this Jewish girl, was brought to the house of Naaman to serve Naaman's wife. And we see a case of a Jewish heart. Here's a Jewish girl snatched away from her parents, from her home, from life in Eretz Israel, life as a Jew, living as a captive, as a slave. And yet she has compassion. She saw a new master in this condition of leprosy. She had pity on him. She spoke to Amun's wife and said to her, there, it is a pity that Amun, master, is afflicted so. It is a bigger pity that he is so distressed in mind. He is so saddened by his plight. Amun's wife looked at her and disdained and said, what do you know about this? We have the biggest doctors here, the greatest physicians, the best cures at Damascus. Nothing helps. The girl said, but there is a means of helping and actually curing him. And the wife looked down in amazement because this girl was very sincere. She respected the way the girl spoke. The girl said, well, there is a prophet, a Navi, who has heavenly powers. I say, let him, let Naaman go before this prophet. He can cure him instantly with his heavenly powers. Naaman's wife reported this to Naaman, and he was convinced that the way, because the Gemara says, the Koran Emes, truth can be detected as the truth. This girl spoke with such sincerity they could see this was the truth, and Naaman decided to make this trip to Elisha Navi. But though he was powerful, though they had enough power to rule over the Jews, you cannot force a, an individual to perform an act for you against his will. You have to persuade him that he should accede to it. He should consent. So Naaman went to the king of Aram, his master, he told him about this, and he asked the king to help him in this case. The king agreed. He said, I will send you 
with a special caravan of gifts for this prophet, are also sent a message to the king of the Jews, instructing him to accept you and to affect, have this cure affected. This note was sent, it came before the king of the Jews, who went into a literal panic. He got this note. Because the note said, I am sending you Naaman, and you should see to it that his leprosy is removed. King got this note, and he said to the elders, his advisors, he swore in front of them, this is definite, that it is a trick on the part of the king of Aram. Does he think that I am Hashem, that I can cure leprosy? The intention of the king is to seek an excuse to attack us and to destroy us. The king was beside himself with worry, the king of the Jews, because he had no defense against the army of Aram. When Elisha and Abi heard this, the king of the Jews had torn his clothes in anguish, mourning over this the impending doom. He sent a messenger to the king and asked him, Why have you torn your clothes? Send this man to me. Send Naaman to me. I will cure him. But not because you're in trouble. Not because you have worries, you have problems, you're afraid of being dethroned, or afraid of having your country destroyed. It's not because of you, it's because I want him to know that there is a prophet among the Jews, that there is a Hashem among the Jews. I want the, the power of Hashem to spread out, not just among the Jews, not just among the non-religious, but let the knowledge of Hashem's existence, Hashem's greatness, Hashem's all-powerfulness spread out to the furthest recesses in the world, the deepest depth of idolatry among the Goyim. But the worst idol worshippers know that there is Havdila Hashem who is all-powerful. This is the reason why I will cure him. This Abedinal says that the biggest Kiddush Hashem, Kiddush Hashem where the Goyim see greatness of Hashem, this causes a wholesale, a mass multitude of conversions among them. And this is what we look forward to in the future. Hashem will rule over all the world, where everyone will see a key All nations will recognize the existence of Hashem, and they will accept the ruling power of Hashem. This is the Kiddush Hashem that Mishnah had in mind. And this is the second part of this miracle, which we will take up in detail to show how Elisha and Avi performed this miracle, because the manner in which he performed it is a lesson for every person in learning how a person should have a Munas Sadiqan. This is the main lesson of Munas Sadiqan, which we should learn, we should accept, we should fulfill. Because in the Zechus of this Amuna, Munas Sadiqan, Munas Hashem, to see with our eyes coming up